women and girls all around the world have dealt with economic inequality for far too long. We want justice. It's time to stand up and act for what is right. These are the voices of women who are fighting for change. The group is called Girl Be Heard, a global movement using art, music, and theater as a platform to campaign for women's economic justice and empowerment. When the group heard about this Nordic Talks event, they decided to write an original song about women, equality, and economic power. Innovate, educate, investing in women and girls. We'll hear more of this song a little later. But first, let's go to the United Nations building in New York and hear why this topic is top priority and why this should also be the case for the rest of society. We all understand and know a woman from somewhere in the world. And we also know what the situation of women is. This is Pumzile Mlango Nuka. She was the United Nations Undersecretary General and Executive Director of UN Women up until August 2021. It is estimated that uh, it is now going to take another generation before we can reach gender equality. And of course, private sector is also important as a participant in that space because the uh, private sector itself does not have adequate representation of women. Private sector? Business? Well, yes, that's the thing. Both public and private sectors play a crucial role in reaching the Sustainable Development Goal on gender equality. Women's equal participation in society is the right way to go from a human rights perspective. But numerous studies also show that it makes economic sense, too. It's a win-win situation. In this episode, we'll hear about how women's economic justice and empowerment can be a driver of prosperity for all, and how businesses can do more to put these issues high on their agendas. We'll also look at public and private initiatives from the Nordic countries in the race to achieve gender equality. I'm Afton Halloran, And you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. So luckily, Pumzile is not alone in her fight for women's economic empowerment. One of her fellow companions is Anne Linde, the foreign minister of Sweden. She's been championing gender equality for years and is joining this Nordic Talks event hosted by the Danish organization Mind Your Business and the Danish government's representation at the UN in New York. When I speak about gender issues, uh, not, not least economic empowerment, I always think it's important to say that you don't only need, of course, to lift individual women like representation issues. And so you also need to do great, strong, difficult political work to uh, get economic and social reforms. In a short while, we'll hear much more about the Swedish government's efforts. 
But first, let's hear from the private sector. Joining the discussion is Thomas Bustrup. He's the vice president of the Confederation of Danish Industry, and he understands the importance of empowering women. It's important because it's half of the workforce. Half of the workforce are women all over the world. In many companies and many private businesses, I mean, the workforce is the most important uh, sort of raw material that you have. So why deny uh, half of, uh, of sort of your raw materials coming into your business? Why deny yourself the chance of getting uh, half of the best ideas into the business? Because half or maybe even more than half of the best ideas for businesses are coming from women. Uh, so it is quite logic why business should should engage in this because, I mean, it, it's part of their, their future. It's part of their development. If they want to develop uh, like the society they are participating in, they also need women to guide them in that development. Otherwise, they will go in a wrong direction. So it's it's quite logic. A few years ago, Thomas's organization produced a book showing how women could get empowered through private business. The book had a working title of Business Empowers Women. But something happened during the research. We gathered all these stories on how business empower women and we talked with them and, and why do we do it? Why it's important for you? Why do you engage into this? Why, why is it your concern to, to, to create uh, gender equality in, in your company? And, and they gave exactly that explanation that I just said, because it's the only logic way to do it. We need women in order to develop. It's not because we want to to uh, have a, a moral uh, uh, gender equality uh, uh, structure. It's simply necessary for us to develop our business. So the book ended up being called not Business Empower Women, but Women Empower Business. And that, that, that was sort of the process where, at least for me personally, it became so clear that, that no matter where you are, no matter whether you are Sweden or you are Denmark or you are uh, Vietnam or you are Ghana, you, you need constantly to, to work towards creating full uh, gender equality. And of course, for society, it's also, I mean, a logic thing. Uh, you know, uh, by empowering uh, women, they participate in the labor market, uh, they, they earn money to the family, and uh, they become less, you could say, a financial burden to society. Uh, so also from a society point of view, of course, it's, it's logic. It's, it doesn't mean it's easy to get there, uh, and some countries are further than others. But, uh, but I mean, the agenda as such is, I mean, extremely important. As a minister in Sweden, Anne recognizes the importance of businesses engaging in the fight for gender equality. And she wants businesses to engage more actively with trade unions and governments. An important element is gender equality in the labor market. Uh, where businesses have a key role. And that includes the social uh, partner uh, and that you have a social dialogue. Uh, and uh, here is a negotiation between business and trade unions, but also with uh, governments and authorities involved. Uh, we have started uh, in the, from Sweden something called the Global Deal Initiative. It's not our initiative anymore because now it's in uh, OECD and ILO. Uh, 
but the thing is that um, we wanted business and trade unions uh, to talk with each other much more. Some of the most important things to talk about are equal pay and opportunities for women to balance work and family. And women need assurance that having kids doesn't automatically mean that they'll fall behind in their careers. It could be things like uh, that you allow uh, fathers also to have parental leave and that you're not being pushed down the ladder when it comes to promotion and so on because you have decided to have parental leave or, or for example, go to the childcare and, and, and pick up your children or leave your children to school. Um, and that is something I think is it's very, very important. It's not only to get women out in the labor market when we talk about economic uh, empowerment. It's also to get the fathers to uh, take responsibility for family. Because you see in some countries, uh, like in the Nordic countries, that Um, Women and men uh, are following each other rather well when it comes to career and salary up until they get children. Then uh, rather quickly, women are losing uh, both in the possibility to get promoted and uh, in the development of their salary. Pumzile considers this a global problem. The women who are most adversely affected are the younger women. Women between 20s and 30s are the ones that are hardest affected. And they are hardest affected because of child-bearing responsibilities. When a woman has a child, her whole socioeconomic status moves back. When a man has a child, his socioeconomic status moves up. ILO calls that uh, the burden of mothers, uh, is, and then the reward for fathers. And this is something that has to change. Anne thinks that there's a need for businesses to make this a priority. You see a real difference uh, in if there are a CEO who is, um, you know, think this is important and do things about this, or if they just uh, don't care and think this, this is something that will, uh, you know, uh, by itself be okay and it will not it will not be uh, okay by itself it needs to have push from the society trade unions that are active and not the least businesses that work uh, in this way human rights are women's rights and gender equality you must Thomas agrees that it makes a difference when businesses commit themselves to the gender equality agenda. And developing clear goals is one way to do this. I think that businesses should, yeah, in all countries, but also in, in Denmark, uh, I mean, they, they, they need to set up targets because it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy to talk about this, but it's fairly easy to talk about it. But, but then, you know, you go back to your business and then the uh, the reality, uh, you know, uh, strikes you, and next time you have to to find a new uh, manager or a new director. Uh, suddenly, you have three men sitting there in front of you. You have to choose. You need to set up some some targets, 
uh, and you need to to uh, to to be very transparent about those targets, and you need to be uh, wanting to 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 live up to them. Uh, and then there can be, of course, challenges uh, from day to day. But I think that's uh, I mean that's one concrete thing that that that. Uh, that the businesses should do individually, even though whether you are a global multi-billion turnover company or whether you are an entrepreneur with uh, with four employees, I think I think transparent targets is is very important. In Denmark, we, we recently made this uh, gender diversity pledge, which is 16 principles uh, that companies can sort of sign up to. So 16 principles where they are open, they are transparent, they set their own uh, targets for how they will like to drive uh, their business towards complete gender equality. And, uh, and, and uh, I mean, just within one week, I think more than 100 of our members signed up to that and they commit themselves to it. And we will follow them uh, very closely that they, they actually reach the targets that they have uh, put forward. So that, I think, is, is one a concrete thing that you could do. UN Women has also reached out to private companies. We have reached out to advertisers and marketers because uh, behavioral science is an important science that influences how people behave. And uh, we have asked them to address gender-responsive advertising and marketing, but also to address all the other isms that uh, discriminate uh, against uh, women because they are intersectional. So we, we've raised race, we've raised homophobia, we've raised uh, age, uh, we've raised disability, and uh, we are taking all of this together. So the Unstereotype Alliance is one way in which we relate uh, in a systemic way with private sector. A significant initiative from UN Women is a campaign called Generation Equality that will run until 2026. The campaign demands equal pay, as well as an end to sexual harassment and violence against women globally. And it calls for women's equal participation in politics and decision-making. Within this framework, there are six so-called action coalitions. Sweden is the co-leader of the Coalition on Women's Economic Justice and Rights. We are really uh, engaged in this generation equality. I think it's such a great initiative from from, uh, UN Women. And uh, we are co-leader of this Action Coalition of Economic Justice and Rights. Uh, And one reason is that uh, economic empowerment is key to gender equality and key to economic prosperity, but also uh, it's uh, uh, a key to other uh, issues when it comes to gender. As one example, uh, I am now uh, chairing the OSCE, the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, and we have seen this uh, strong link between women, peace and security agenda and economic empowerment. For example, there is an uh, internationally known uh, organization called Kvina to Kvina uh, that works all over the globe with uh, peace issues. And uh, uh, you could see that uh, uh, for one thing, if women are not part of peace negotiations and all part of the peace cycle, 
there will not be a su such sustainable peace as if women are not. And, and here the link comes, if there is no economic empowerment for women, they have so much less chance to be part of uh, peace talks in different parts of the conflict cycle. So here is a link between the economic power men and the women, peace and security. Innovate, educate, investing in women and girls. It's impossible to talk about the challenges faced by women in today's world without mentioning COVID-19. The pandemic has made our working lives very difficult. Many schools were closed due to lockdowns, and this meant that many mothers had to reduce their working hours in order to stay home with their kids. These lower participation rates may set back women's progress in the workforce by many years. As we speak, 42,000 are going to be thrown into extreme poverty because of the pandemic. And my appeal to all of us is that this doesn't have to be like this. This is something we can help. With COVID, we could not have survived as the world without women. Can you, if you could just imagine a COVID situation where there were no women uh, as frontline workers delivering the services that we have needed so much. You can imagine what it would be. And coming out of COVID as we begin to and leaving women behind seems to be the most unfair thing that uh, we all should be fighting against. So my appeal is let's do something about this. Let's fix this once and for all. I think you can see, like Pumtzila said, in this COVID-19 pandemic, um, the impact uh, on the on the women and girls worldwide. One thing is that all the homeschooling and uh, um, lockdowns has uh, been extremely hard on women because they are the ones who have taken the lion part of taking care of the children that has not been able to go to school in many countries. Uh, we have been one of the exceptions. We have kept our schools open in, in my country. Uh, and also in the labor market, the, uh, um, the, the women's situation is, is less secure. And Pumsil and myself and um, several of my women colleagues and foreign ministers, we have actually a, a, a women uh, uh, foreign ministers network <laughs> uh, and we decided to write about this uh, uh, in articles in, in different international papers and also to get uh, it into uh, um, a, a United Nations resolution that you need to have a, a gender perspective also uh, when you fight uh, the pandemic. Not the pandemic as, as the, the illness, but the consequences of, of the pandemic. In fact, the gender perspective should be incorporated into all areas of policymaking. One thing I think is very important, that is uh, to mainstream uh, the gender issues, not least gender budgeting. You know, we have a feminist government uh, and the gender analysis is mandatory component of uh, the central government budget. 
Uh, I used to be, I have been state secretary, I've been minister for trade, um, minister for Nordic affairs before and so on. And, you know, when you do a budget, and I think it might be the same, not only in government, but in the companies and so on, there is always someone who is like the finance minister in an organization or in a company or in a government uh, or um, uh, organization. And you were not even allowed to put forward what you wanted money for if you did not have a gender analysis. And that is how we work. So it's no idea to come with a proposal to the Minister of Finance if you don't say, this is how it will work on women and this is how it will work on men. And it's, it's, it's very strange when you put your gender glasses on. Uh, for example, when, when, uh, when I was Minister of Trade, we say, okay, is there a feminist trade policy? Uh, what's that? Uh, and then we say, is there some... Uh, disaggregated data on what trade does for women and men. And we started to look for it. It was not very easy. And then we found it and we could see that for women's shirts, there was six times as high tariffs than on men's shirts with no explanation. For women's sports clothes, it was up to 30% more tariff than for men's sports clothes and with no explanation. And this is what you see if you disaggregate data and if you have gender glasses on. Anne is also active at the World Economic Forum, a global think tank. And unfortunately, the predictions that they're making are not all that positive. We discussed, for example, gender gaps and we've discussed COVID response and uh, uh, World Economic Forum also have a gender gap uh, report and it states that it will take 100 years to achieve uh, gl um, global gender equality, but more than 250 years to get economic gender equality. I mean, I don't think we have uh, 250 years. Uh, I don't think we have 100 years. Uh, so so um, definitely something has to be done. It, I mean, it is a question of not talking about it, but but acting, and uh, and acting because it's the right thing to do uh, for the society. It's the right thing to do for half of the population, the women, but also because it's the right thing to do for your own business. Well, I agree with Thomas. We don't have one hundred years. So, what do Pumzile, Anne, and Thomas recommend us to do? Pumzile first. I am asking that uh, uh, governments, private sector, individuals come into this space and invest what they can in order for us to reach this, re this, this, this high mark. It's a once in a generation opportunity for us to change the trajectory of women. Here's Thomas. Uh, Pamsila was talking about the, the generation gap. What can you do? I mean, if you are a father or you are a mother, how can you actually pass it on in a way that, uh, that, that, that they will have a different mindset than maybe I do or my wife has? Uh, I think that's, that's a personal ambition, at least, that I try to push myself. Uh, it's not always that I'm succeeding, not at all, but, but I, I, I try to 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 do it i try to talk uh, 
uh, with my family, with my kids, my son, my daughter, uh, about the SDGs and, and talk to them about what they can do uh, and what they what that means for them. The the kids and children, they are, I mean, uh, they are committed to this. And uh, it's our responsibility in our daily life, not only men, also women, to 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 actually uh, pass it on. I think that's 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 my personal uh, ambition. Here's Anne. What I think it's very important is is that you always have the gender equality at heart. Uh, and you know we have a feminist government, we have a feminist foreign policy. There is a clear focus on women and girls' rights, resources, representation, and there should be a gender perspective. Human rights are women's rights and gender equality. You must empower Girl Be Heard comes across loud and clear with their message. And if we can all share the message of the importance of women's empowerment with the next generation, we increase our chances of ensuring prosperity for everyone in the future. And in the meantime, we must do everything to push for gender equality in all aspects of society. After all, women, equality, and economic power is everyone's business. I'm Afton Halloran, and thanks for listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. Thank you.